0: Brady and the Buccaneers continue to really free fall as we kick off week eight's uh, coverage. You're listening to the Fumble Rooski podcast. I'm Adam Wright here with CJ Medeiros. Guys, we have a great show planned for you guys tonight. As the trade deadline gets closer, we already have a couple of big trades that have happened. And we're, of course, going to cover tom brady and the bucks and a divorce on the side of that we're going to continue our fumble ruski fantasy fix with our fantasy coverage for week eight and joining us to help us with all of this coverage we have luciano calvosa
1: yes that is correct calvosa
0: i got it all right thank you for joining us welcome to the show why don't you introduce yourself to some of our listeners
1: well, first off, Adam and CJ, thank you guys for having me so much. I I appreciate it. Uh guys, if you any of you guys do not know me, my name is Luciano. I am a big baseball enthusiast. I'm a big baseball fan, uh, big basketball guy as well. I attend Dean College. I'm a freshman as well. Uh and also if any of you guys don't know, I'm a diehard Yankee fan, so I'll just leave it plain and simple.
0: He's an enemy, he's in enemy territory, and I gotta give respect for that, even as a Red Sox fan. Listen, <laughs> I, I I hate the Yankees as a, especially as a Red Sox fan, but I also respect them. Like, yeah, it's like, it's like being a super villain and not having a superhero there. Like you I, can't, I, one can't exist without the other actually. Well, I mean, the Yankees are usually the villain, but yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like you got, you like, you can't have one without the other.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I will keep this uh, brief, but definitely I enjoy watching the Yankees Red Sox rivalry for sure. I mean, that's, if not, you can argue that's the greatest rivalry in sports, but that's just me. That's just me personally. I mean, I, I think many of you guys could agree with that too. But uh, I definitely enjoy watching Yankees Red Sox all the time. It, it's just so fun to watch.
0: Greatest rivalry in sports and disappointing finish to their uh, to their season. As uh, we're going to actually cover the World Series in uh, in your guest segment, so we will hit on some baseball. And more respect to you for joining our show. With football not being your number one, you have some knowledge on it, but, you know, getting back into it and respect for that.
1: I think after, I think after this show, Adam, I think I'm definitely going to start gaining some more knowledge on football as I go on. Because definitely would, I would love to come back here as more times as I can. So I appreciate, once again, you guys having me here. And uh, let's let's dive right in, man. I'm excited. Let's do it.
0: Absolutely. All right. So let's get it started. And we're going to talk about the Eagles. So they're already 6-0. So the rich get richer. they trade for defensive end Robert Quinn from the Bears and this guy got 19 sacks last year. so he statistically he had an incredible year last year. He's been known to be up and down however, and he does have just one sack to his name so far this season, but still a big name they land um, but CJ, I'll start with you. what are your thoughts on this deal? do we are this are the Eagles just that much better now?
2: Uh, I mean, every little bit helps. Did they improve? Yeah, but I don't know if it's like the massive improvement that everyone thinks. Because as you mentioned, Robert Quinn is an extremely up and down player. I have his stats here. Last year, he had 18 and a half sacks. The year before that, he had two. Then the year before that, he had 11 and a half. Then, then before that, six and a half. Then before that, eight and a half, and it goes on. It seems like he has a good year, then a down year. Good year, down year, and this just happens to be a down year. Maybe Philly can uh, help unlock his potential. But then again, I want everyone to uh, know that he is thirty-two years old, and especially for pass rushers, when they get up into that, into the upper ages of you know like past thirty, they start to lose their explosiveness a tad. And maybe that's the case with Robert Willie, or Robert, Robert Quinn, excuse me. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I like the move. I think it helps, but I don't think like it's the true game changing showstopper that really everyone expects.
0: Yeah. Listen, it may not be as big a move as, as people might think, because I think people are just so mesmerized by the fact that he got 19 sacks last year. However, we can at least look at the gesture to know that the Eagles are all in on this season. And as if we didn't already know it before, they're the team to beat. They're the team to beat this year. They had a lot of question marks going into this season, starting with their quarterback at in, uh, in Jalen hurts and also their coaching and it's all worked out. All of it. Their wide receivers have worked out They're it they have, they have a very good balanced game and they play good defense their secondary has been incredible. And it, like, we, we talked about the, the potential of that secondary over the offseason. It looks really good now. And it's all working out, all of it. So, like, I, I think that's the takeaway I give with this is that this Eagles team is locked in and they're ready to go. And even if it doesn't work out, this at least sends a message to the locker room that this is their this is their year and they intend to go all in with it. And I think it's at least going to serve as a motivator to the rest of um to the rest of that to the rest of that roster that this is this is our year. This isn't fools gold. These aren't the same old Eagles not counting 2017 because that was that was a good year for them as well. But this is this is this is huge for the Eagles even if it doesn't work out. And I think and I think it could the change in scenery could also motivate Robert Quinn to find his, to find the best version of himself. But uh, Luciano, do you have any thoughts on this as well? What do you think?
1: Uh, well, I like to say I like to start off with this: something magical is going on in Philly right now. Not only with the, uh, with Philly with the Phillies, but also with the Eagles as well. You know, their historic start to the season. What are they? Six and zero? Six and zero? If I believe that's Six correct. Six and zero. 6-0? Yep. And I mean, you couldn't have scripted any better. I mean, like you just said before, Robert Quinn is definitely a key addition for, especially that defense. You know, definitely want to uh, make their team better. Of course, uh, I think, and like CJ said before, they're going all in this year. I think uh, Philadelphia can make a deep run into the postseason, into the playoffs. Uh, and, and anything else? Uh, no, I mean that's really about it. I mean, Philly's definitely, definitely a team to look out for this year, for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean you're de- you're definitely right and you you uh you you also mentioned that the Phillies are in the World Series. Nice little teaser for your guest <laughs> segment as they are oh, yeah. set to face the Astros in their first World Series appearance since 2009. Yep. And I believe well it was their first it's their first playoff appearance since 2000- 2011. 11. 2011. Yeah. So it's a magical run for Philly. Mhm. So- Absolutely. It, it must feel good to be a Philly fan. Not that any of us are Philly fans, but we could at least show some respect. Absolutely, um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, anything else on this before we move on?
1: I think, we, I think we're pretty good,
0: Adam. You all set? Yeah. All right. Well, next, as I mentioned, the trade deadline is coming up soon, and the Giants have gotten involved in a way that you probably wouldn't expect. So we'll hit on that. Don't go anywhere. This is the Fumble Ruski podcast. Welcome back to the Fumble Rooski podcast. Adam right here with CJ Medeiros and special guest Luciano Calvosa. So the Giants are 6-1. and one. They're off to a red-hot start. Their best start in, I believe, what is it, 30 years? Something like sounds,
1: that. Yeah, sounds accurate.
0: <laughs> it's, it, they're off to a historic start in their season. So you would think this team would buy, right? Well, if this first trade is any indication... Then it sounds like they may not have the the most, uh, might not have the most faith in this season. The Giants have traded away 2021 first round pick. So this guy, Kadarius Toney, their wide receiver, was drafted literally just last year. And in in the time that he's played, 10 games, right? For over 420 receiving yards. The guy has proven to be explosive in this league when he's healthy. Well, they traded him away for a third and a sixth round pick in 2023. So they're practically punting with this guy and turning him into draft picks. Now they traded him to the Chiefs and credit to the Chiefs. They're going all in, they're buying. We expected that because they have the they have their guy in in Patrick Mahomes. They brought in Juju Smith Schuster to replace Tyreek Hill and Marcus Valdez Ganning to replace him as well. And it's so far worked out. It's been fine. You know, he's not there. Neither of them are Tyreek Hill, but they replace the production to a certain extent. And that team is going to contend. But the Giants have a better record than the Chiefs. They're 6-1, and one, as I mentioned. And they're going in and they're trading Kadarius Toney. Now, he's only played in two games this season. But you could at least look at this wide receiving core. Sterling Shepard, out for the season. Kenny Galladay, out, uh, he's been banged up in and out of the lineup. And then you have Darius Slayton who's been the most who has been the most healthy there. And he's gonna be the only one there now because they just traded away Kadarius Tony. So CJ, what are your thoughts on this move? Try to make sense of it.
2: I am incapable. <laughs> Go on. I just I think this is safe to say, no one saw this coming. No one. I, I just, I don't have words because it's just so out of left field. I mean, I guess the thing naturally to do is just speculate what kind of role Kadarius Tony would have on the chiefs. Cause I mean, Scantling's been good. Uh, and so's Juju and their other guy, Mikko Hardman. He's fine. So who is taking less snaps? Who's production is Kadarius Toney eating into? See, these are the real questions we must ask ourselves. Now, as for the Giants, your wide receiver depth is iffy and everyone is hurt. Why are you trading Kadarius Toney? I mean, Galladay's a bum. Sterling Shepard's hurt. The only receiver that is worth even a glance at is uh, Darius Slayton. It's just, this is a head-scratching move by the Giants. But if you're the Chiefs, you got a former first-rounder for a third and a sixth. He's a bit of a, he's like low-risk, high-reward, very explosive, you know, very fast. I just, but if you're the Giants, why? Was he that unhappy there? Did he really want out? Like, what's going on? But long story short, I definitely think Kansas City won the trade, and uh, the Giants might have hurt themselves, because mark my words, if by some horrendous twist of fate uh, Darius Slayton goes down, that team is screwed.
0: Yeah, I mean you knocked the nail right over the head with that because they don't like they 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 only have Darius Slayton and Kenny Galladay's been in and out of the lineup. He has two receptions for twenty two yards on four games played this season.
2: Oh, mean, he's
0: he's missed three games already. Yeah, didn't they so, give him
2: like a $70 million deal or something like that? They give him a pretty year?
0: good deal. They give him a pretty good deal because he he put up some pretty decent numbers over in Detroit with Matthew Stafford throwing to him. And his last season, granted, was injury riddled. And he's been in and out of of New York's lineup ever since he's gotten there. So you could at least meet you could you at least have a built-in excuse there because he has been getting hurt. And he's getting to that age where injuries will get will start to Uh, start to catch up with you. But again, like this is a young guy who you, who you traded away, who has shown potential when he was healthy. And yeah, he's been injury pruned before, but it's a small sample size. He could get healthy. He could start to figure things out. And next thing you know, you have a legitimate borderline number one, wide receiver, wide, wide receiver, one wide receiver, two somewhere near that. It's better than anything else you have besides maybe Slayton, Maybe I don't, I mean, Slayton's been good, but he's not a number one. So just looking at the way, the way they're doing this, I mean, they're basically punting from this season when they do this, aren't they? Because they don't have like all they have the most productive uh, uh, weapon that they have on this offense is their running back, Saquon Barkley, who's headed towards the tail end of his career. He only has maybe what? 1-2 seasons left of being productive if that because he, he has shown that he could get hurt. And once he goes away then you you're you're not going to have much production at the at the uh, at offense. And then you're really going to be screwed. So you really have to go all in on the season. And I really don't understand why you decided to commit to Daniel Jones for this last season. You start 6 and 1 and then you say, yeah, we kind of don't believe in it. We're just going gonna to punt and we're going to go on to the next couple of years. Well, Saquon Barkley's not going to be healthy forever and he's not going to be productive forever. And you just drafted really well on defense and it's showing. So what are we doing here? What are we doing here? You can't just go all in on a season, go all in on this quarterback just to trade away his good young pieces. None of it makes sense to me. It really doesn't. And the Giants are sending all the wrong messages to their locker room as opposed to the Eagles, who just traded for Robert Quinn, like they are an actual 6-0 team. The Giants are not working this market like they are a six-in-one team. They look like they're selling. They look like they're saying this is fool's gold. We're not going in. On- you just said you were going all in on this season. I'm sorry. It just Apparently doesn't that make was a sense. Lie. Yeah, I guess not. I guess not. Despite the fact that things are actually working out for this team. Right now. But uh, Luciano, do you have any other thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, I do, Adam. And it's funny is how I've, for me being from New York, of course, watching Giants and Jets football all the time, but referring to the Giants, I get a test of what CJ said before, you know, six and one on the season so far. I mean, did anyone think this would come from the Giants? We're talking about the New York Giants here, okay? And the Giants, and like CJ said before, their wide receiver issues are very questionable. I will say that. But, um, I mean that's definitely sending a message to the league that they don't that the Giants the front office in the Giants uh, locker room they don't believe in the season because the Giants are always used to starting off decently well decently well when I mean that and they just they just fall off in the second half of the season so I'm not surprised of how they're going to start selling their players by coming up with the deadline I mean listen I mean uh, the Chiefs get a nice young receiver of course you know to build up that offensive that offensive line uh for the receivers but for the giants what are you guys doing i mean you guys are 6 and one you guys got a pretty decent shot if you keep going you guys can make a deep play i'm saying they can make a deep playoff run but this is kind of sending a message of like okay maybe they they might make some more deals as the trade deadline gets closer but listen the giants are very unpredictable you know uh of course i've seen daniel jones the past few years i mean he's been he has his up and down, his ups and downs. But I mean, only time will tell where this this franchise is really heading, especially for the years down the line.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're certainly you unpredictable is one way to put it, especially with this deal. Because I, like like CJ said, I don't think anyone could have seen any of this coming, and like it just it just doesn't look like they they're going all in on this year. And this is the best this is the best start in decades for the for the New York Giants. So like you know, I just don't un- I I don't get it. I don't I don't really get it at all. But uh, we'll see how things work out. The trade deadline, the official NFL trade deadline is November first at four, uh, four p.m. Eastern time. So there is plenty of time. Still a few days until, uh, until you know until that point where they the Giants could do something. Maybe they just didn't believe in this guy in particular, and they're like. Maybe they'll trade the picks they got for, you know, maybe they trade that for uh, another wide receiver who's on the market. Maybe Chase Claypool. Um, I know there's another guy who was who was up there. Um, that players, I'm blanking on the name that pl- that uh, teams are looking at. But is it DJ time Moore? Time will tell. Maybe if they yeah, got DJ Panthers? Moore, man, then then we're really then we're cooking. Then we're talking. Yeah. Then that would work. But until they do that. This or, move, this move just doesn't make any sense. So maybe it could be a prerequisite to something else, but uh, we will see until then. Um, but I wanted to talk about Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Um, so, but before we go on to that, anything else on this on this topic? It sounds pretty good. Very no,
2: no, nah, right. it's fine, man.
0: Well, next we're going to hit on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers losing yet again, falling multiple games below 500. For the first time for a Brady-led team in his 23-year career. So for such a historic loss, what could it mean? We'll get to that next. This is the Fumble Ruski Podcast. Welcome back to the Fumble Rooski podcast. I'm Adam Wright, CJ Madeiro, special guest, Luciano Calvosa. So Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have lost yet again, this time to the Baltimore Ravens, 27-22 to on Thursday night football in Tampa. And this means that they lose. So the Buccaneers fall to 3-5. and five. They are multiple games below 500, at least Tom Brady uh, led team first time in 23 years. So they they still have pieces on offense, such as Mike Evans. They've had Chris Godwin. Their offensive line has been functional, very ba- uh, fairly banged up, but functional. So th- with their defense still functioning as well, CJ, what is wrong with this Buccaneers team?
2: There are two things, in my opinion. And I'm not sure if the public is ready to agree, but just hear me out. Number one, an underrated problem, I think, is uh, Todd Bowles. He's a very good defensive coach. But if you remember his disastrous tenure with the Jets then you know where I'm coming from. And I know that was a while ago, but, hey, old habits die hard. Am I right? I, but really consider, I mean, even with Tom Brady and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, like he's just – I don't know. He's a great defensive coordinator, but I just don't think he's really cut out to be a head coach. I mean, he's got a lot of potential, but I just – I don't see it. You know? And, I mean, is it really – I mean, just look at the comparison, you know, between he and what Bruce Arians did. You know, well, I have my own issues with Arians. Arians was at least a good coach. And then, uh, I, I think Brady's part of the issue. I do. And it's not that he's doing anything wrong. I mean, I wouldn't even say he's showing signs of age because he's still decent. He's he's a, I mean, he's not quite a game manager, but... He's a quarterback that you'd still love to have. It's just, let's address the elephant in the room. He's about to get a divorce. It's very high profile. All the gossip hawks are circling on it. But I just, I don't think his mind is entirely on football, which I know is very unBrady like. But the man's getting a divorce. And while I don't know what it's like to go through a divorce, I would tell you that I imagine it's, it eats up your mind. I know, like, it's just this cloud that kind of hangs over you. And I think Brady, like, I just think it's affecting his play on the field. Not very, it's not like a really complex answer, not really a shocking answer, but I think it is the right answer.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the divorce And again, I I don't like to dig into somebody's personal life. However, when it comes to football, I think it is a factor. Mm -hmm. Because so looking at any Tom Brady led team, they've always been able. They haven't had. They never had issues with leadership. They never did. Because he's just always been the glue that just molds the team together, and. With, with the with the issues that this team is having with chemistry they all they all don't look like they're on the same page so why is this not working right now he's always been a good leader before I mean it's it, you know it has to be his issues off the field and you like it's not just looking at it as just oh he's getting divorced you have to look at it even closer Tom Brady only has a couple of years left in the league. So now that he has this divorce finalized with Giselle, now once he's done in a couple of years, what's he going to have? He'll be a color commentator every Sunday for Fox Sports, and that's it. Then he comes home to a a family that's really barely there anymore. His wife isn't around. He only gets to see his kids part-time. That's going to be tough, and he's probably thinking about that you know like he loves playing football and but he also knows that his years are limited and he came out of retirement just to play a couple year, a couple more years and to be honest i we talked about this during uh, when this happened it just didn't feel right when he retired at first because he we all knew that he wanted to play through his age age 45 season so if you want to ask me what he should have done and I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea why why they they are splitting. And I, I don't have a dog in that fight. But if that is the case, that the coming out of retirement was the issue, then maybe he shouldn't have come out of. Maybe he shouldn't have retired at all. What he should have done: sit down with his wife, say, "Look, I've always had this goal of mine to play through my age forty-five season. I've been wanting to do this for years. Let me play through this one last year." And then I'm done. They're on the same page. He plays his last year. And he gets to spend the rest of his life, life with his family. But when he went into retirement and then came out of it, it probably pissed her off. She said, well, what the hell? you got to spend time with your family at some point. You can't play football forever. Especially since you are in your mid-40s. And I, I wanted to see him play through his age 45 season as well. But you can't be flip-flopping like this you got you have to make a decision and you com- you commit to that. And I think he had he had people in his ear saying you should retire. He, f- he listened to them in the heat of the moment following their their loss in the divisional round to the Rams. and then he went and, and then he over time he realized I can't do this. I can't do th- I can't stop one year short of it one year short of age 45. And I think that's the problem. I think that's the problem. He's not the same leader right now because of what's what's happening off the field. The team's all the same. They're still talented, just like they were last year. And yes, their they're off their offensive line is a little banged up, but not banged up enough to for them to be four, to be three and five. And their their coaching has been imperfect, but not bad enough to be three and five. And you mentioned Todd Bowles' tenure. In 2015, they went 10 and 6, and probably could have gone 11 and 5 if it weren't for uh, Rex Ryan during that last season on the Bills facing the Jets, pulling off that upset with the chip on his shoulder, because that you remember that was his last season with yeah, him. that was his last season on I believe that was Rex Ryan's or second to last I'm not sure, um, but like if you if he was able to do that with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Have you
2: considered maybe that um, was just like a flash in the pan? Because, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick came back the following season and they sucked. Yeah,
0: sure. But still, like when you have Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, it's hard to screw that up, especially since you were able to do something. Especially since you were able to do something with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Granted, it was for a year, but it worked out. It worked out. And I believe they lost some pieces on offense that final year that during that last year. That offensive line was ancient. They started to age. And yeah, you know,
2: but but look at every other year that he was there. You can't just say, Oh, one good year, that automatically makes him a good coach. He can't possibly suck. Well, and yet yeah, here we are. He was only there for a couple of years.
0: It was only t- what two years, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. I don't know. Sure. I just I just feel like head coaching is not going to be it might be it might be a factor, it's not gonna be the reason. Their offensive line, they they don't it they're banged up, but I just feel like it's not gonna be the reason they go three and five. Brady has worked with worse offensive lines. It it has it has to be the issue off the field. It has to be. And I just think you know. He wanted to play through age 45 season. He should have committed fully to that. So he wouldn't be having these issues um, in the first place. If that's the case, if that's the case, I have no idea what's going on, but if that is the the case, then he should, he shouldn't, he should have committed fully and communicated with Giselle. Um, but Luciano, do you have any, any thoughts before we move on? Um, I'll just keep it
1: brief, nice and short. Uh, it's very unfortunate to see Brady go through this. I mean, Listen, when we think of football, we automatically think Tom Brady, right? You know, I, his argument for the GOAT is unmatched compared to anyone else who played the game of football. But um, I think it's it's going to be tough for him to play these, the, his la- the rest of the season with this chip on his shoulder. Now that his wife is gone, I mean, it, that's a big blow, especially when it comes to family and sports. You know, that that's a big – it's intertwined, you know? And it's very unfortunate to see him go through something like that. But listen, he wanted to play through his age 45 season, like you guys said before. But uh, in in my opinion, I feel like Tom Brady, I mean, depends on how many years he has left. He could possibly even play up to his age 50 season if he really wanted to. I mean, listen, it's unfortunate that he doesn't have a lot to, to go home to now. But it's Tom Brady. Tom Brady, he has so many endorsements. Uh, You know, of course, still playing football, all all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, we'll see what kind of season he has left. I mean, maybe he can turn the ship around. But uh, that's all I got to say.
0: Yeah, season's not over yet, so we'll see how it goes. Um, All right, but we do want to move on where we are going to go on to our Fumble Fantasy Fix. So we're going to give him. Give you, uh, as always, on Friday episodes, stardom em, ems for this week, for week eight. So de- if you're debating who to start in your lineup, it's always a tough decision in fantasy football. We got you covered, so don't go anywhere. This is the Fumble Rooski Podcast. This is the Fumble Rooski Podcast by Power88 and Secret Weapon Consulting. I'm Adam Wright with CJ Medeiros. Special guest, Luciano Calvosa. So we are on to our Fumble Ruski Fantasy Fix with our stardom sit We're going to go through each position, starting with the running back. We are going to start Travis Etienne versus Denver after James Robinson was just traded away. Sends, the, sends a perfectly clear message. The Jaguars are committing to ETN as their bell cow back. So start him. Also start Tony Pollard versus Chicago. Ezekiel Elliott is officially doubtful for the game. And there's Chicago's run defense, kind of spotty. So start Tony Pollard. He's going to get all the reps. It's a run-first offense. It's a match made in heaven for you guys. You're going to sit James Robinson versus New England. I know that James Robinson just got traded to the Jets. Wait a couple weeks wait a couple weeks for him cuz he's still getting acclimated to that offense. It's a new offense, new team he's he's playing for. Also, he's sharing carries with Michael Carter. Um we're also going to bench David Montgomery at Dallas. I just can't I just can't trust David Montgomery in mo- in most matchups, especially against Dallas with that defense. Just Montgomery, very talented running back. The line is not very good. The offense can't move the ball. It's just it's not a good it's not a good mix for him. Going on to wide receivers, we're gonna start Devonte Smith versus Pittsburgh. Usually you want to start him, but in this week you really want to start him. He's going up against that very shaky Pittsburgh secondary. Start him and start AJ Brown, as if you even need me to tell you that. Uh, we have Bengals wide receivers at Cleveland, so it's a juicy matchup for Cleveland. Cleveland is a tough, is a very, very banged up secondary. And they just lost Jamar Chase for a few weeks. So Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, start them. Then you have to, we have Sits, we have Deontay Johnson at Philly. That Philly secondary has been brutal. So starting Deontay Johnson with Kenny Pickett throwing to him, not the best choice. So Michael Pittman, we're also going to bench. Versus Washington. With the quarterback change, it could give him a boost. It could also make things worse. Because it's Sam Ellinger throwing to him. A career backup. So, do not start Michael Pittman. We're going on to quarterbacks. We're going to start Joe Burrow at Cleveland. Usually you put him in your starting lineup anyways. But, because they lost Jamar Chase, you might need a little more encouragement to put him in your starting lineup. I'm here to tell you everything's going to be okay. They still have Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, and they have a tear. They have a juicy matchup against Cleveland. All right, for another start, we're going to do Kirk Cousins versus Arizona with Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen. What more reasons? What more reason do you need? Arizona's defense is just eh, it's okay, but it's not going to stop Justin Jefferson. So, going on to our sits. Trevor Lawrence versus Denver. Trevor Lawrence has shown some flashes, but don't put him in your lineup yet. I wouldn't start him, especially against Denver. Denver has a decent defense. And we're also going to bench Aaron Rodgers at Buffalo. Rodgers had a a shaky start to the season as it is, but going against Buffalo in that defense, oof. That's going to be tough for, for him. So, put him in your... On your bench so going on to tight ends we're going to start Taysom hill versus las vegas we're going to start mike jesicki at detroit we're going to sit robert Tunyon at buffalo and we're going to sit pat Fryermuth at philly going on to defenses we're starting the bills defense versus green bay and we're going to start the cowboys versus chicago now we're going to sit card uh the cardinals defense at minnesota we're going to sit the seahawks versus the giants so that was your fumble ruski fantasy fix up next we have luciano and his guest segment where he's going to preview the world series so don't go anywhere this is the fumble ruski podcast welcome to the guest segment of our show sponsored by secret weapon consulting for business plans secret shoppers bar spotting server and manager training and so much more visit www.secretweaponconsulting.com. so welcome back to the fantasy fo- to the excuse me to the fumble ruski podcast by power 88 and secret weapon consulting adam right here with cj medeiros and luciano calvosa and luciano is going to touch on the World Series. So, in case you haven't noticed throughout this show, Luciano, this is his sport, baseball. And the World Series is just his element. So, Luciano, what do you have? All right, Adam, first off again, thank you guys for having me. I really do appreciate it. But guys,
1: if if any of you guys listening are living under a rock, what are you guys doing? The World Series is it's by the time this comes out, the World Series game 1 probably would have happened already. So of course it's the Houston Astros versus the Philadelphia Phillies, and as I teased before in the first segment of the of the show, uh, something magical is going on in Philly uh, with both the Eagles and the Phillies. Uh, the Phillies uh, representing the National League, they their final record was 87 and 75, and the Houston Astros representing the American League, their record was 106 and 56. So obviously a big difference right there. I mean, listen, we've seen Houston for the past few years in the World Series. I mean, me being a Yankee fan and seeing C- it was for Houston to defeat my Yankees. It was tough to watch, but listen, they were the better team overall. Uh, so hats off to them, uh, but definitely it's going to be a great series. I mean, no one expected Philadelphia to, um, to make it this far to the world series. If I'm going to be honest, I mean, they fired their head manager, Joe Girardi early in the season, because of their early season struggles. And they were fighting for a playoff fight towards the latter end of the season. And look how far they got. I mean, listen, they they had to go through the padres when the, the nlcs which was which was a pretty good series but listen i mean they were show that they were the better team i mean overall they're both on both sides the houston astros and the phillies their pitching is it's neck and neck i mean from what i saw from the american league championship series for the astros they're pitching on matt it was unbeatable you know game one game one's going to be a good one because for the Astros, they have Justin Verlander going, who's already having his best season of his career. And for the Phillies, they have Aaron Nola, who has been their ace for a pretty decent amount of time right now. And definitely, this one's gonna be this one's gonna be a good one, guys, for sure. I mean, listen, from the lineups, from the hitting standpoint, of things. I mean, listen, both lineups they have their ups and downs, but I'm gonna show you the game one lineup for the uh, for the Phillies real quick. We got Kyle Schwarber, Reese Hoskins. JT Rimuto, Bryce Harper, Nick Castellanos, Alex Baum, uh, Stott, right? Stott, and Gene Segura, and Brandon Marsh. That's just the Philly side of things. And let me show you what the Houston side of things are looking like. I mean, Houston, we've seen them all year round. I mean, we know what Houston is capable of doing. Jose Altuve, Jeremy Pena, Yoran Alvarez, Alex Bregman, Cal Tucker, Yui Gurriel, Trey Mancini, Chase McCormick and Martin Martin Maldonado. So up and down on both sides of the lineup, both lineups looks absolutely scary. And there will be a lot of runs produced in this series alone. So with that, Adam and CJ, I got to ask, I mean, even though, I don't know if I'm not sure if you guys have uh, some decent knowledge on baseball, but who do you guys have uh, taken this whole thing? Who do you have winning the 2022
0: world series? So listen, Right off the bat, the Astros do deserve to be favored. That team, top to bottom, has been electric for years. And I I think we – and you mentioned there's something magical going on in Philly. The script couldn't be made any better. So you have the Philadelphia Phillies who made it winning 87 games. It's fairly rare for – in the MLB postseason to make the playoffs – uh, with with less than 90 wins and they did it and not only that but they they made the world series while while being the last essentially the last playoff uh the last playoff spot and you are going up against the one 106 win Houston Astros who have been involved in plenty of cheating scandals they're one of the more hated teams besides actually maybe more than the Yankees at this point. In recent yeah. years, more than the Yankees, which does say a lot. <laughs> um, so this is this really is like just a David versus Goliath spectacle going on here in the 2022 World Series. And off the bat, I do have to favor the Astros because top to bottom that is that is a very good team. their lineup is solid. Their ace in Justin Verlander is an ageless wonder, and he is a slam dunk to make the mm-hmm. Hall of Fame whenever he's eligible. But to have an ERA in the ones during a season at the age of 39, isn't that just that unheard of? of? Especially, especially for a pitcher. Pitchers don't last too long. So for him to last as long, like hands, like, like give like, give him a pat on the back, even though he's an Astro right now. Wow, unbelievable. But I think I, I definitely would have to give it to Houston. But what I love about the MLB postseason is it has become about making the playoffs. Make the tournament. At that point, anything can happen. I did not see the Red Sox last year making a run all the way to the ALCS and taking the Astros six games. I did not see that coming. But it happened. They were able to make a run despite their horrible second-half stretch. So, for the for the Phillies to win this series, I don't I don't I don't rule it out. And they've already had a great run so far. Momentum is on their side. They can do it. They can. But I have to give it to Houston right now. Okay. All right, CJ, you got your uh, intake on the Phillies Astros?
2: Let me just say right now, I don't know anything about baseball. I really don't. I don't watch it, but Correct me if I'm wrong, but the Braves won last year, right? I'm just checking. That is correct, yeah. The right, Braves yeah. did win last year. Yeah, because they, they beat the Astros. Yep. I want Philly to win, you know, just because it would be one hell of a story. But I think Houston's going to win. Now, maybe, this be, maybe it's just because I'm so disconnected from the MLB world. But I, I actually wouldn't be, even though I hate the Astros, I really do. I think they're a bunch of dirty cheaters, but I wouldn't be too angry if they won. And here's why. So, you know, they won, like, I believe their first championship all those years ago, but it turns out they cheated. Yep. I think, let's just hope they're not cheating this time, but I think the Houston Astros owe it to their fan base to deliver a clean, untainted championship. And as much as we all like whether you like baseball or not like to rip on the Astros and call them cheaters, I feel bad for their fans. Imagine your franchise captures its first world series ever. And it's, and it's going to have forever be, it's forever going to have an asterisk. It's a tainted championship. That's not something I wish on any fan base. That's just got to be depressing. And I think the Astros are going to win. I want the Phillies to win. Like I said, Because just for the story alone, but I just – I can't help but feel bad for Houston's fans. And I can truly say beyond a shadow of a doubt, Houston owes their fan base an actual, clean, legit
1: title. I definitely agree with you. I definitely agree with you on that, TJ, for sure. Yeah, that's like
2: uh, my only take. I'm sorry.
1: No, you're good. No worries. Um, But for my take, I mean, listen, I've told you guys this before. I mean – Watching the Yankees-Astros series was absolutely depressing for me on my side because, listen, I'm a Yankees fan, but we got swept. But, obviously, I'm rooting for the Phillies to take this one home. I mean, they haven't won a World Series since 2008. And, mind you, I believe that's 14 years, if my math is correct, because I'm not the best at math. But, uh, yeah, 14 years since they last won a championship. I mean, listen, it's going to be a dogfight. We know this is going to be a good series, but – As much as I despise Houston, I despise Houston. Even though their team is from top to bottom, from the starting lineup to the starting rotation, to the bullpen, to the management, to the front office, they're an overall great team. And they've been around they've been at the top of the American League for so many seasons in a row. It's it's ridiculous what Houston has been doing. But I like CJ said before, I think winning a clean World Series without any cheating scandals would be monumental for this houston franchise i mean six years
0: in a row actually
1: alcs six years in a row exactly i mean where do you see that in sports anymore not only just baseball but just in sports in general where do you see a franchise constantly coming back to the championship series
0: there's a team that represents uh there's a team that represents new england that did it quite a few times in the nfl but (laughs) yeah not to mention lebron james cavaliers too yeah, yeah, right. Second That's a perfect example. Yeah, it's a it's rare example. though. I'll I'll yeah, give you that yeah. much. It's it's very rare, and um, it, it's a flash in the pan whenever it's in the MLB and the M- NFL because those are sports where really it's designed where there's not very much, like there there's not there's not much consistency. A team can be really good in the MLB in the NFL. A team can be very good one year and then be terrible the next. It's one of those. It's one of those types of leagues. In the NBA, you see it all the time where player teams are good and they stay good for almost a decade. So, it's like for for the for the Houston Astros, the New England Patriots, the New York Yankees for stretches to be able to do what they've done is really incredible. Despite all the cheating with the Astros, I will say I give them a little more I almost give them more respect. The Astros that They've been caught up in these cheating scandals. They've had coaches fired, players leaving, and they've still been able to maintain their consistency throughout the entirety of their run. They almost, during the 2020 season, everyone forgets this, but they almost came back from down 3-0 for the second time ever, which is nearly impossible, especially in, in baseball. So, like, especially in the COVID year, you know? I, I give them a little bit of credit. They've been able to—they've been able to maintain uh, their competitiveness and stay among the top in the American League despite everything they've been through. So, I, I get—I got to give them props for that, despite everything going on with them. All right. I mean, definitely,
1: I can respect that. But listen, bottom line is just—it's going to be a great series, and I'm looking
0: forward to it. Absolutely. All right, guys. Do we have any other thoughts before we end the end the show tonight? I think we're pretty good, Adam. No, nope. we're good. All right, Luciano. Thank you so much for joining the show. Let us know if you want to come back on. We'd love to have you again, man.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, guys, so much for having me. I enjoyed being here. I will definitely
0: be coming back more often for sure. Absolutely. Any, Absolutely. Anytime, dude. All yeah. right. Well. That'll do, it to, that'll do it for us tonight. Thank you for listening to us. We have new episodes out Tuesdays and Fridays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We also have all our episodes available on Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and so much more. Also, be sure to follow our Instagram at FumbleRuski_Podcast to keep up with our podcast and the latest coverage on the NFL. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Over and out.